0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events.
1: Hi, I'm Odette Youssef in for Jen White, and this is Reset. Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson made a big announcement today.
2: It's time for someone else to pin these four stars. To their shoulders. These stars can sometimes feel like carrying the weight of the world.
1: After more than three decades as a Chicago police officer and nearly four years as the city's top cop, Johnson will step away at the end of the year. His speech highlighted his youth in Cabrini-Green and his work to reform the department and bring violence down in Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot concurred. Superintendent Johnson will end his service standing on a record of reform and progress that will be felt long after his retirement. Accountability and po- community policing are more than just budge words to Eddie Johnson. They are the beliefs that guided his moral compass and helped unite our city after tragedies. Coming up, we'll hear from a former Chicago police officer who worked with Eddie Johnson for years, a community activist and police accountability expert, a Chicago alderman, and WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith, who was at the press conference and described the scene.
3: Well, it was an emotional announcement by Superintendent Johnson. We knew it was coming. He was planning for this. He still broke down, not broke down, but he still, you know, teared up a little bit when he actually got to the part of announcing his retirement it also stood out, you know, sources have told WBEZ that this has been coming since the start of the week and that basically Lightfoot wanted him out once he was discovered asleep at the wheel by officers and there's an IG investigation. However, Johnson and Lightfoot today both uh, sort of stuck to the, the narrative that, that, no, this is his choice and only his choice and he wants to retire because of health issues and because he wants to, to be with his family. So, so that stood out to me that they, they really stuck with that retirement narrative.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the things that he um, mentioned was that he was appointed at a very tumultuous time uh, for the Chicago Police Department. Can you remind us uh, what the circumstances were around his appointment?
3: Eddie Johnson took over uh, in the spring of 2016. That was in the wake of the Laquan McDonald video release. Community trust in police was was really incredibly low. Police morale was incredibly low. And we were in, you know, at the start of, of a surge in gun violence. 2016 ended up being one of the most violent years in Chicago in a long time. So he, he came in in the middle of all that and sort of was tasked with three big things all at once, you know, uh, reforming the department to satisfy the demands of the community, making sure that officers' morale was raised so that they would do the, could do their job effectively, and, and trying to bring down gun violence all obviously three hugely important tasks and, and very difficult tasks.
1: So, yeah, that third point about the gun violence numbers, he, he spent some time talking about that, comparing where those numbers are compared to the summer of 2016. And they're lower now. Um, but how much of that actually is a direct result of his leadership? Well,
3: I mean, that's hard to say. You know, the, the superintendent like is like the CEO of a huge organization where they only have so much control over what happens on the ground. You know, he was in charge of adding a thousand more police officers to the force, uh, which they they got to over about a two-year period. Uh, he put in a bunch of technology, um, which he talked about today in in his in his speech. It is hard to say how much is attributed to him or how much was sort of a natural regression. Regression, you know, 2016 was, as I said, just this historically bad year. Right now, we are way down from 2016. We're also just about back to where we were in 2015. So uh, it kind of depends on how you want to look at that. If 2016 counts on Eddie Johnson's watch, then he doesn't have a great record bringing down gun violence. On the other hand, we are back to sort of what was normal in 2015.
1: Hmm. So something that is kind of missing from what we heard today is going back to this point you mentioned about police officer morale. What do we know about uh, how much support... Eddie Johnson has currently within the police department and, you know, how morale generally is looking for the next person who assumes that role.
3: Well, I mean, I think that for many officers, it was very meaningful to have someone appointed to the superintendent position who rose up the ranks. who has been a lifetime Chicago police officer. I think he had a lot of support internally from some officers. You know, he did clash with the union at times, including very recently over this uh, issue of whether or not he would stand with President Trump when he was in town. However, um, Kevin Graham, the, the Fraternal Order of Police president here in Chicago, you know, he has said recently he's given a lot of credit to Johnson for always having sort of an open door, always always talking to them a lot and communicating. And, and I think that relationship was sort of getting better or had gotten better over the last year, um, although they they were sort of at odds on the principle because Johnson is a supporter of the consent decree that federally court enforced uh, police reform plan and the union is vehemently opposed to that so that's kind of had them at loggerheads how much that speaks to the rank and file i can't say but i can say that that relationship with the union i think has gotten better uh in the past year
1: so patrick you know he he spoke a lot about that consent decree and he's he's in support of it he said you've done some reporting about how the city is actually doing when it comes to meeting certain benchmarks that are in the consent decree can you tell us a little bit about um, how well he and his department have done in terms of uh, complying with it?
3: Well, you know, uh, we hit the six month mark uh, back in September was sort of the six month mark, the first six months of the consent decree. So I checked in on the progress of what we, what was publicly known, what we could find out. And the city had missed a bunch of deadlines that had not completed a bunch of things that they were required to do by the court. As of that point. Uh, now that is largely the police department, things like training and making information publicly available. I will say that it's going to be up to the the federal court monitor to determine whether or not the city's meeting it's, it's deadlines. We're waiting for that report to be released publicly to get sort of the final word from that monitor on how the city's done but, yeah, I, I found that they, they were not meeting a lot of the goals. The city sort of pushed back on that, saying that these goals were too ambitious. Uh, I will say one of the things they had not completed as of, as of September was a, a dashboard uh, about uh, investigations into alle- allegations of police misconduct. That dashboard actually went live a couple days ago. So kind of speaking to the, the, the city's defense of we are working on these things and we're going to get them done. We just couldn't quite get them done to the deadline. That monitors report is the next thing I'm looking at to see really how is the city doing, how is the police department doing it at at meeting their obligations.
1: One of the points that Johnson highlighted was the reduction in police-involved shootings, saying that they're at their lowest level in a decade. Um, Patrick, tell us a little bit about whether that's being recognized by community members as progress within the police department, and and why is it that police-involved shootings have dropped?
3: You know, I've done some interviews with community leaders and community members, where I ask them about that. Hey, these shootings are down, and they, they they certainly say that they're glad about it. But it's not as if, if you're out and about in the community, people are are you know thanking the city for shooting at them less. But I think that the department and and J- Johnson would say that the reason those shootings are down is because of increased training, because of a new use of force policy, and because they've made it a real priority to to reduce these and they've made it clear to officers that they should reduce the amount of times that they're shooting at citizens you know i I talked to the former president of the police union and some other former police officers about the lack of shootings and uh, the lower number of shootings and some of them say oh that's just because police are afraid of public backlash they're actually pulling back when they shouldn't be so not everyone thinks it's a good thing but yes as johnson said shootings are are way down compared to where they were at the start of the decade. I will say that decline was already starting under Superintendent uh, Gary McCarthy, who, who was Johnson's predecessor, but the decline has accelerated under Johnson.
1: Patrick, really briefly before we let you go, the mayor noted that uh, Superintendent Johnson will remain on the job through the end of the year, and she tried to sort of rein in questions so that they wouldn't turn to next steps. But I'm still going to ask you, do we have any indication about what's going to happen when he uh, leaves that role?
3: Well, we we have heard that the top candidate to be the interim is the uh, former LAPD chief, Charlie Beck, although that has not been confirmed by the mayor yet. And we do know that for picking the permanent replacement, the police board is does the interviewing of candidates and then gives the mayor three choices. Lightfoot said she's going to honor that process, and I believe she will because she was kind of burned when Johnson was picked, she was president of the police board, and Emmanuel sort of went around the police board and made his own choice. I think she's going to stick to that process, so it'll be up to the police board to nominate the three candidates for Lightfoot to pick from.
1: That's WBEZ's Patrick Smith. Carlos Ramirez Rosa is alderman of the 35th Ward on the northwest side. He's part of the Progressive Caucus in City Council and ran as a Democratic Socialist. His review of the Johnson era was mixed.
0: Johnson uh, really saw his job to carry water for the mayor uh, and ensure that he was in lockstep with the public safety agenda that Mayor Ron Emanuel had and then Mayor Lori Lightfoot had. And to that extent, I think that, you know, there there wasn't really much that changed uh, under Superintendent Johnson. I don't think that, you know, he was someone that said, These are my ideas when it comes to policing, and these this is the type of leadership I want to exert on this department.
1: One of the points that both he and Mayor Lightfoot hit on though was uh they said there has been an improvement in community police relations. Do you buy that?
0: I can't speak for the entire city. I can speak for my community. And what I will say is that the changes that we have seen have really happened at the grassroots level. It's happened working with local CAPS offices. Uh, It's happened building relationships between uh, residents to talk about what is a real public safety strategy. I really have not seen that change coming from the top down. Perhaps that is the case in other communities, but it's certainly not the case in mine.
1: So one of the things that you have uh, sponsored is an ordinance to establish CPAC, the Civilian Police Police Accountability Council to oversee the Chicago Police Department. This would give an elected council of civilians the power to appoint the police superintendent. What's the status of that?
0: So the uh, Civilian Police Accountability Council would be an all elected body. The research shows that the best way to address police misconduct, which has cost the city of Chicago hundreds of millions of dollars over the last several years, the best way to do that is to really hold police officers accountable for their actions uh, and to really have truly democratic processes where civilians have true oversight. We introduced the ordinance once again at the beginning of this term. We have now come forward with a a substitute ordinance that has the support of Greg Futterman out of the University of Chicago, who has been one of the leading voices on police accountability and police reform. So that substitute ordinance now has additional co-sponsors. So we're getting close to 26. We're not quite there yet, but we're hopeful that we're going to be able to make the case that having true accountability, true oversight, democratic, transparent processes is the best way to make sure that we have an effective police department that isn't engaged in racist policing, that's costing regular citizens lives, and that's costing the city of Chicago hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: So before I let you go, I'd like to hear what you are looking to see in the next police superintendent.
0: I think that ultimately um, we need a police superintendent that understands that the culture within the police department needs to change and that policing uh, is a blunt tool. Uh, that ultimately, you know, is just a part of a broader public safety strategy. The Center for Popular Democracy back in 2017 looked at the dollars that we're spending in the city of Chicago for public safety uh, and looked at various other cities, and what they found was that the best investment to improve public safety was not in hiring more police officers, but was instead in investing in after-school programs, job programs, mental health services. So I certainly hope that we end up with someone that understands that data, that understands the best practices, uh, and is ready to engage in a holistic, comprehensive public safety strategy that spends our dollars smartly and wisely to make our streets safe.
1: All right. That was 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you. You have a great day.
1: Joining me now on the line is Nicole Jordan. She's a Chicago-based senior program manager for the Policing Project at the NYU School of Law. Nicole welcome to Reset. Hi, thank you for having me. So one of the things he mentioned uh, in his remarks was he sort of jokingly said half of Chicago must have his cell phone number right now because he said he had this sort of open-door policy to his critics. I'm curious to know if that's how you felt about him. Did he have an open-door policy? Did you feel like he was accessible and open to the uh, criticisms that community groups uh, brought to him?
4: Well, I think, as he noted in his um, speech, he came in a, a tumultuous time for the city of Chicago, um, and so there had to be a, a change of perspective as it related to um, the Chicago Police Department, and he served as the face of that. I think that he was definitely more open than um, probably other superintendents in the past to having conversations with the community about changes that needed to happen within the city of Chicago I mean, as it relates to policing.
1: So... Did you feel that his sort of um, openness to uh, improving community relations, having an open door policy was was that reflected in uh, the way any changes that were happening uh, in neighborhoods when it came to relations with police officers on the streets?
4: Yeah, so I believe that um, in, in, what we're looking at in Chicago is culture change, and that, that takes time. I think that he understood that culture change needed to happen, and I believe that, I mean, it takes time for that to trickle down to the rank and file, to the, um, police officer interact on a day-to-day basis, but I do think that, that sentiment is growing in the Chicago Police Department, um, and there has been a greater push towards community policing and embrace, embracing of changes as it relates to community policing practices. However, it's not happening as quickly as community members would like to see it happen. And we're hopeful that uh, whoever comes in next will consistently embrace this and move it further.
1: So moving forward, uh, when it comes to the transition period and selection of a new superintendent, what are you going to be keeping your eye on?
4: Well, I'm definitely keeping my eye on um, whoever is selected, what their track record looks like as it relates to embracing community, what their track record looks looks as it relates to how they have interacted with marginalized communities and communities of color, um, and how how much they embrace and understand the. Notion and the need, particularly in Chicago, for democratic policing and to engage the community in a very real way, and embracing a uh, civilian oversight board to help guide and help make sure that we live in a safe Chicago.
1: That's Nicole Jordan, a Chicago-based senior program manager for the Policing Project at the NYU School of Law. Nicole, thanks for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. All right. Joining me now on the line is Richard Wooten. He's a retired CPD officer with 23 years on the force, who primarily worked in the Englewood and Auburn Gresham neighborhoods. Richard, welcome to Reset. Thank
2: you very much for having me.
1: I'll start with the same question I've been asking everybody: uh, What's your reaction to this news today that Superintendent Johnson is retiring?
2: It is a uh, it's a good thing to see Superintendent Johnson retiring because of uh, as we witnessed in the past, he you know it's become a health issue to him and. Being a superintendent is a very demanding job, and it has taken its toll on uh, Superintendent Johnson. And, you know, I worked for Superintendent Johnson when he was a commander of the 6th District, and I know his heart is, in, is for community. Uh, I think he's proven that, but I think that the uh, it's time for him to just enjoy the rest of his life, uh, like he said, create a new chapter.
1: So you've been able to observe several police superintendents, both from when you were in the force and on the outside, how would you describe uh, Eddie Johnson's tenure as CPD chief?
2: Well, you know, his tenure as uh, superintendent of police, uh, he tried to take the concept of uh, being a community, uh, you know, person to the position of superintendent. But unfortunately, I don't believe he had the uh, full support that he needed uh, to make that transition to be more effective. Under his, super, under, under his uh, leadership, uh, numbers have went down. But unfortunately, you know, relationships has not been totally built throughout the uh, city of Chicago. And that is because uh, he had a hard and a difficult task before him uh, where he had to uh, deal with the crime in the community, as well as the image of the Chicago Police Department when it came to um, developing relationships in the, uh, you know, communities of color. And that, were, that really had not been, uh, you know, impacted uh, at a great position that I would like to see at.
1: So what do you think the new CPD leader should do to help rebuild that trust between police and residents?
2: Well, you know, let's understand this here. Every four to six years, you know, we go through this new campaign of possibly, uh, you know, bringing in a new superintendent of police. And we fail to realize that the police department is a uh, body of of the government. So the ultimate responsibility for, of safety falls on the hands of the, in the hands of the community. And CPD is just another extension that we have that would assist us in making our community safer. Uh, what I would love to see in the next superintendent is someone who has the dynamics of bringing in and rebranding the image of CPD to show that this here department is a department for the people, and supports the people in making sure that their communities are a safer community. We look at all these superintendents coming in and they all have their own different uh, strategic game plan that they put out to try to make the city safe. But unfortunately, they don't have a strategic game plan on how to actually clean up house. I've always said that you know, in my tenure with the uh, department, you can always tell what kind of house you're going into based on how the outside is maintained. And if you got a sloppy outside and you walk inside, you guarantee the inside is going to be sloppy as well.
1: We have to leave it there. That's Richard Wooten, retired officer with the Chicago Police Department, with his take on Superintendent Eddie Johnson's announcement this morning that he's retiring from the force after more than three decades. Richard, thank you.
2: Thank you very much.
1: And that's it for today's Reset. But we want to hear from you. What should the top priority be for the next Chicago police superintendent, and how should he or she achieve that goal? Call our hotline at 888-915-9945. That's 888-915-9945. I'm Odette Youssef, in for Jen White. Thanks for listening to Reset from 91.5 WBEZ, Chicago's NPR news station.